Hey, I'm Amanda from Trifecta Fitness. We're proud to be Clarksville's new Get Fit headquarters. Trifecta Fitness is a state-of-the-art spin and strength training studio. Our spin studio is truly one of a kind in this area, complete with 20 state-of-the-art live fitness bikes and an incredible sound system. Our strength training is done in small groups of six or fewer, and all of our strength and spin classes are scalable for every level of experience. Come see us in the heart of Clarksville, just behind Mapco at the corner of Old Trenton Road and Wilma Rudolph Boulevard. Call us for more info at 931-542-6265 or download our Trifecta Fitness app for a full list of upcoming classes. Speaking of which, our next guest is the owner of Artisanpreneur, where she creates custom artwork and helps creatives transform their passion into a business. She is a wife, mom, and a U.S. Navy veteran located in Virginia Beach, Virginia. So without further ado, let's welcome U.S. Navy veteran Tiffany Richardson to the Misfit Nation. Welcome, Tiffany. Thank you for having me. Oh, it's awesome when I get veterans that want to come on the show, especially female veterans, because not a lot of them ever want to come on. And in the pre-show, you seemed amped up, so this is going to be great. I um, can't wait to hear your story, your entire backstory. Uh, well, not not only to like you were born, but a little after that. Because <laughs> I only gave a little like, a two-cent blurb about you there. And it's good to know who you are for the audience, especially if they want to call in or make comments. It helps them to get to know you a little better. So if you want to go back as far as you want through the Navy to how we got to where we are now. Uh, let's see. <clears throat> I'll take you a little bit after I was born. Um, so, uh, let's see, no, I'll start, um, I will start right before the Navy. So, um, when I was in high school, I never even, um, considered actually, no, I lied. I did consider the military. I wanted to go into the Marines actually. Um, but my mother wouldn't let me. So, um, 
I went to culinary arts uh, university. I went to Johnson and Wales for cooking. Uh, after a year, I found out that I don't like cooking, um, at least in uh, fine dining. And so um, I had my son after uh, my first year in uh, college. Um, and then after kind of doing a whole bunch of part-time jobs, I was like, I can't do this anymore. Um, and so I looked to uh, looked at the military as um, an option for me. Um, initially, I did want to go into the Air Force, um, but when they told me that I had to um, ultimately give up custody of my son, um, I wouldn't be able to like do a whole family care plan at that time. Uh, I was like, so that's not an option. So um, I went literally across the street to the Navy recruiter's office um, and did all of that stuff. Um, I was in the Navy for almost 10 years. And um, my during my last deployment, I, um, I really didn't know what to do because they actually gave me an option. They were like, do you want to go on deployment? And I was like, uh, sure. Um, but it was while I was on deployment that I decided that I wanted to get a degree in business. And so um, I started taking classes while we were out to sea. I got out, um, got married, and continued my education. Um, graduated from a local community college with my associates in uh, business administration. Um, and then I went straight to Norfolk State University here in Norfolk, Virginia um, for a bachelor's in entrepreneurship. And I'm currently pursuing a master's in digital entrepreneurship. Um, Throughout that entire time, I accumulated four Mastiffs, um, got another kid, <laughs> had another <Found> kid. <laughs> and, um, I am still in Virginia Beach where I served. So, uh, yeah, I did did all of that. I mean, that's, out, that's a big journey right there. A lot of schooling, a lot of education to keep in mind the exercise as well as uh, doing your entrepreneurship. When you were younger, did you have an instinct to maybe sell things even or even like start up little businesses, maybe when you were a kid in school or it just happened later? Nope. I actually wanted to be a singer. I still want to be Sing. a singer. <laughs> I've been singing since I can remember. Um, <laughs> I don't know. I'm trying to remember. Nope. I don't think I've ever I ever um, I did one time when I was little, me and my cousins, mind you, we got in trouble for this. We set up a store in my grandparents' basement and we, um, I don't want to say borrowed because literally, like realistically, we stole all of my grandfather's quarters out of his drawer um, and we shared all of it in the basement. And so we created this entire store with like all of my grandparents' canned goods. Um, other than that, that was, that was pretty much it. That was the only like business related thing that I did when I was younger. That was your first scandal. That's good. See, that was yeah. That was my first scandal. Yeah, <laughs> outstanding. Even had a money making system and all their food. That was good. Did you make <laughs> yep. a lot of money that day? <laughs> yep, yep. So, like, like I said, we did get in trouble for that. But um, uh, yeah, I created, um, I created a whole business then. But it really, honestly, wasn't until I had my son. Um, before the military that I saw that I, I didn't want to work for somebody else. Um, and I, I don't know why it was just like a click, you know, when, you know, when people have kids and they're like, you know, as soon as I saw my baby, I knew that I wanted to take care of, you know, wanted the best, you know, that's not, it took me a while. I'm a late bloomer. And so that didn't hit me until I brought him home from the hospital. And I was like, 
I was staying with my mom and I was like, I can't do this. Like I, I should have my own things. And so that was a, another driving force for me to join the military was I wanted to make sure that I always had my own thing and I provided as much as I could for my son. So. And that's a great goal right there. And I mean, you went through two different options before you fell into the Navy really. So yeah. well, you started really with the Navy's little brother there, the Marines, and then you went to the Air Force <laughs> and then and to Uber for the Marines with the Navy. So you, you worked yeah. it out. The only place you didn't go is two blocks down to the army. So, I mean, yeah, pretty, yeah. <laughs> literally the army recruiting office was, was literally two stores down from the Navy. Um, and I, I considered the army as my last resort. I was like, I'm sorry. I, yeah, no, thank so, God the Navy took me. <laughs> God they took you. You'd be crawling down the street. Hey, please, please, please take me. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Let me, let me get all dirty for no reason. <laughs> so if the Navy didn't take you in the army, you, you didn't want to go in the army. Would you have, think you would have pivoted, went to college or you would have had a plan C or D after that? I would have, I would have bit the bullet and I would have joined the air force. You would have done it. Right. Mm -hmm. I would have, I would have given, system. yeah, I would have given my mother full custody and I would have joined the air force. I've been a rough decision at that point though, especially with as young as your, your son was at the time. Yeah. 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 He wasn't even two yet. He was like one and a half. Um, yeah. Cause I, I went into the debt program in May of 2008. Um, and he was born in 2006, November, 2006. So he would have been two um, that November. Yeah. That would have been a horrible, horrible choice. And yeah. Glad, glad the muddy water Navy took you there and uh, <laughs> embraced you <laughs> 10 years. Uh, yeah <laughs> 10 years is a long time to go and then to just cut it off too because you know the first 10 years are probably the hardest the second 10 years usually fly by and it's a rough decision to make i'm going to get out and lose those 10 years towards my retirement and go forward did you think about going reserves or just done i did um i actually got out on a medical separation okay. um i found out right before my second deployment um i had always wondered i was like um before i had my son i was always fit i was always um athletic and everything and um after having him i just could never lose the weight um and i worked very very hard um like i thought i was gonna die trying to lose weight to join the navy um but as i was in i just couldn't it was like i was slowly gaining weight back long story short uh i got tested found out that i had uh, manic depressive disorder um, an anxiety disorder and hypothyroid. <laughs> so, <Altogether. laughs> wow. so, um, so we tried, uh, you know, my, um, my chief, uh, even it went all the way up to the CO, um, the XO and the CO personally tried to help me. They provided, you know, resources, um, for me reading materials and things. Um, I, everybody in my shop tried to help me lose weight and stay in it. But um, I think I had got on medicine too late um, to where by the time uh, PRT came around again, I was still, I wasn't within standards. So, um, you know, I just, they asked me, do you want to get out? So I just signed the paperwork and I just got out. So. Wow. And, you know, getting that diagnosis that late in life, really, that's a late diagnosis, really. Cause it probably was going on for a long time, just hidden in the background somewhere. You, yeah. You wouldn't notice it until now you look back and say, Oh, that explains why this happened or that explains why that happened. 
Yeah. I don't know if you had an aha moment like that once you got diagnosed. Um, it honestly, it wasn't until I spoke to my mom, um, because the doctor, when, you know, I was in my appointment, you know, he was asking, do you have a history? And I was just like, no, I've never heard of a thyroid, anything in my family. And my mom and I had a, a conversation and I think the light bulb started going off in her mind, which as we spoke, started making me think, so this is kind of hereditary and you know, this is why, you know, this person in my family had it so rough and this person, my mom. And so um, it was never about, um, at that point, I realized it was never about eating too much or not exercising enough or, you know, what have you. It was, I had this thing that I didn't know I had. And um, oddly enough, I was happy the day I was diagnosed with uh, hypothyroid uh, because it was like, <sighs> I could breathe. I knew it was wrong. Right. Um, so uh, it was funny enough, um, I kind of wanted to get out because I don't necessarily like listening to people, um, <laughs> but it was extremely difficult because I felt like I was kind of being kicked out of my own family and I had no clue what I was going to do afterward. Um, even though I was married, like I had just gotten married and everything and I had kids, I literally, um, it actually kind of makes me anxious talking about it now. I felt like so what am I going to do now? Like, I don't have all of these people anymore. Um, instead of sleeping in a, in a, instead of sleeping in a birthing full of 50 women, it's just literally me and my husband. It was, it was extremely difficult for that, for me to make the transition. Well, I bet. And you go, like you said, you lose that uh, camaraderie kind of thing. Mm -hmm. uh, instant families, especially 50 women in a birthing area, that's not really camaraderie. That's a, a fight waiting to happen. I can feel it. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> just, that's like that's I guess real world uh, times ten there, but it's hard. Yeah, horrible with that many women in one spot and that many different personalities going at each other and saying I'm the best, I'm the best. This is my area. Blah blah. I'm sure there were some good good stories in there. You can probably write a couple of books about the birthing area. Oh yeah, yeah, it was interesting. Um, I know a lot of people think that boys are disgusting. Look, <laughs> girls are hilarious. Um. But it was just like, I mean, going to bed in my rack and, and hearing in the, you know, two, three o'clock in the morning, hearing other people getting up and all of the activity, it's different when you then go home for good and there's just nothing. No noise. Like, no every, yeah, there's not like there's other than you or your, your spouse getting up in the middle of the night. There's just there's no activity. Um, and there's no like, uh, especially when. Um, you know, you have the next watch or something. There's no being anxious. Like, I hope I don't oversleep. <laughs> like, I, don't, I don't, I hope they don't have to send someone to the birthing. Like there's just <laughs> nothing. And so there was like a lot of small things I had to get used to. Um, and I didn't like it. Right. And especially with having the anxiety and stuff like that, it probably didn't help when you have no, so, at all. No one's coming to wake me up. I don't know what's going on. What am I supposed to do? I don't have to get up at two in the morning for no reason. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Yeah. I was wondering, I, you know, it it's so obvious, but to me, I was still wondering why is it hard for me to go, go to sleep? Um, why do I feel so lonely? Um, you know, why am I so bored? Um, it was literally like I was just sitting at home waiting because I was, I, uh, I was pregnant with my daughter soon after I left the military. And it was just like, I was sitting at home waiting to have her. 
It was just like, there was nothing for me to do. All right, come on, let's go. Let's go, hurry yeah. up. <laughs> yeah, I was like, let's go. We have things to do. Come on. <laughs> You're not doing it fast enough. <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. So after, I mean, after that, that probably took you months or to nine months probably to get all that out of your head and then say, I'm going to turn this, turn this key and go forward. Yes. And school definitely helped. Um, actually, uh, to back up a little bit, I went from the military to the shipyard. And, um, yeah, after, after I had my daughter, I went to the shipyard uh, as a contractor and that helped a lot. Like that was my, I, I did a year and that was like a year of transition because I wasn't in the military, but I was still on the ship. I worked on um, the uh, Abraham Lincoln. So um, I was still, I was still on a ship. I was still around sailors. And so it allowed me to kind of ease out of military mode and into civilian mode. Um, so that definitely helped. And then I, after that, I made the decision uh, which was literally like a leap of faith. I was like, you know what? I'm going to quit my job and I'm going to go to school full time so that I can get this over with. Um, and it went from, you know, being a kind of a, a worker, like something that, you know, I, I know how to do to being a, an untraditional college student. It was completely different. <laughs> Being the old lady in class. I mean, I wasn't the oldest. Okay. But <laughs> I was close. Like, I was a little bit, like I was in the middle. Um, okay. And it was hilarious seeing um, this also helped with my transition because I got to be around young people who had not experienced the world yet, um, who hadn't been out of the state or out of the country yet. Um, and, and actually it's not just young people, older people too, who had never left their town or, or city or whatever. Um, and I noticed that I had this very well-rounded um, mindset when it came to, you know, thinking about foreign relations and um, just thinking outside of the box when it came to like entrepreneurship and business. Um, and, I just had to sit back and laugh when I heard a lot of, you know, what young people were saying. And then I found myself acting old. I'd be like, mm, these young people. You <laughs> just don't know. <laughs> yeah. I was just like, hmm, if only you knew. Um, but that's when the military mode kicked in, military experience kicked in. And I began, you know, kind of telling people, encouraging people travel, get out of your town, get out of your city, get out of the state of Virginia, go overseas. Even, I mean, technically you're still kind of going over a, a sea, but even to the Caribbean islands, like experience other cultures. Um, and that was the first time that I actually realized I had been coaching and consulting people for a while, ever since I was in the military, but that was the first time I actually started putting a word to it. And right. I was like, um, whether it's coach, consultant, mentor, whatever, you know, you want to call it. Um, I found myself using what I learned in the military, whether it's in the military or through experiences, I found myself, um, trying to help other people. Um, and that's when entrepreneurship really, really kicked in, um, when I went to Norfolk state, um, and literally everything that I did, I was trying to help people. Um, so that's really when the entrepreneurship took off. 
No, I bet. And uh, knowing that, like you said, putting a label on it finally after so many years of actually doing it, then mm -hmm. realizing, hey, I'm actually helping people without even trying. Because it's a yeah. gift you have. It, the military, the Navy might have solidified that gift, but you already had it before you went in. Being the yeah. oldest sibling, you already had some of that leadership there because you had to lead the path for your, your brothers and sisters before right. they got in the same trouble you did. You had to teach them, hey, don't do it this way because this is how I got in trouble. Or if you wanted to get in trouble, hey, do it this I way. I mean, <laughs> I was like on the fence. I was like, you know, you can do this, but I'm going to let you know this is probably how you should do it so you don't get caught. This is the ramifications. <laughs> yeah. This is what happened to me, but I'm not going to uh, – You, I, I'm tired of you, so go ahead and do this. <laughs> <laughs> well, pretty much. I mean, it wasn't just my brother and sister, actually. It was – um. At the time, it was seven of us, and me, my brother and sister, and then my cousins. Um, we were all around each other a lot, and I was the—I am the oldest out of everyone. Um, and so there was there was a lot of me getting in trouble because of what everybody else did. Um, but trying to figure out um, how to be essentially a leader—I mean, I never thought about it like that when I was little, but. Um, how to be a leader, how to stay out of trouble, and how, you know, like um, how to set a good example for everyone else. Um, because I was always being told, you know, take care of your brothers, uh, brother and sister, take care of your cousins, look out for them. Um, you know, where you go, they go. Um, and so, yeah, I was, I guess I was kind of what is molded to be a leader. By, by accident and on purpose. So... <laughs> Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Happy accident, I'd call it. And uh, I think the military really helps a lot of people find that find that spirit inside them, find that that skill set that they didn't really think they had. And a lot of like even when you went to colleges, you were the middle of the class there in age wise. Yeah. A lot of the younger people probably were looking up and saying, wow, she's seen so much and she speaks so eloquently because she was in the Navy and she's not cursing at us. This is great. But and then the that older was people, hard. Like, oh, yeah, that's very hard not to just get that. <laughs> start yelling i mean uh, i went to i did my masters after i got out of the military and uh it was very hard in discussion posts not to just go nuts in there and i'd type it and then i'd erase it i gotta erase this i'm gonna fail this class i'm gonna get to college if i write this let me write something oh that was a wonderful post okay good yeah <laughs> it, really well. it was the fifth one i wrote <laughs> it's good on you good on you and yeah <laughs> Then that, I will say for for um, now that you mentioned discussion posts, uh, I have to do my homework for Sunday. Um, I the funny thing is with my master's, it's different um, because there's I go to school online. Um, granted, I would rather go in person, but, you know, I have two businesses that I run, so I would not I wouldn't be able to go, you know, in person. But online, there's hundreds of students in one class um, and doing discussion posts and uh, answering the questions. The issue I run into is not my age, it's my industry. Um, a lot of people that are in my classes are um, corporate, are in corporate America um, or are in corporate America and have, um, you know, early venture businesses or side hustles. Um, but I'm usually the only artist um, and consultant in my classes um, that I know of that anybody posts about. Um, and so a lot of my my discussion posts um, are obviously, you know, 
uh, about either me being an artist, a coaching consultant, or being a veteran. That's actually one of the three things that my, my responses are about. And I always hold my breath because I'm like, I wonder if people are going to accept my perspective um, as a non-corporate person. Um, I wonder if there are any other veterans in this class that are going to accept my perspective. Um, and I'm pretty sure there's no artists. So <laughs> like, <laughs> people, <laughs> if I write about my art, I a lot of people tend to respond like, um, you know, in, in the having the perspective of, you know, I live this glorious life where I wake up and I just like throw paint on a canvas and I'm so free and, you know, all of that. And it's definitely not like that. Um, but yeah, I uh, interacting with people around the world in my master's program is very interesting um, and sometimes humbling because I realize that I can't, I have to speak to, to my class a certain way, especially because it's online. Um, and so, yeah, those three things always seem to like intersect art, military and consulting. Consulting. <laughs> yeah, definitely. And speaking of your art, as soon as you open up your web page to, I think the, those coasters are amazing that come up there to thank the you beach coasters. If I let my wife see this, she'd be buying it. So I'm not letting her see it right now. So I will let her see it. <laughs> <laughs> she will definitely buy that. She loves the beach. Uh, I actually met her in Savannah, Georgia. She lived right near the beach there. So, oh. So anytime we're near a beach, we have to go to it. She doesn't go in the water. She likes the beach itself. Okay. I like the water. So I'm swimming. She's sunbathing and reading. So still, that's our, our happy medium right there. Okay. So tell me, about, tell me about the artist and entrepreneur there. And that's an awesome, like I said, that, that it brings you in with that first picture right there. And then, of course, the pictures of you with your art around you. And of course you all muddied up there with your, your paint bib on. So. <laughs> yeah, because I, I, so I actually didn't start painting until the pandemic, until lockdown. Um, I had already, I had always been an artist. I've always been in the arts. Um, I was, when I was little, I was a singer. I was a dancer. My mom put me in pageants and I did, shows where I sang the um, national anthem. And I had, al I had always been in music and dance. Um, my brother was the visual artist um, and he is, he's still an artist. He's a, a realism um, artist. And, but I never thought, um, ever since I was younger, I never thought that I would, I was good at visual art, um, drawing, sketching, um, painting, any of that. And uh, during the pandemic, um, so actually before the pandemic, I had a uh, skincare business um, and I made soaps, I made body scrubs, I made bath bombs, all sorts of stuff. And I sold in person at farmer's markets and trade shows and things like that. Uh, I completely neglected um, the online world. And so when the when COVID hit and everything was shut down, I didn't get any sales because I didn't know how to sell my stuff online. Um, and so I turned to face masks, um, made almost uh, five, six thousand dollars in 30 days. And um, I was like, oh, this is awesome. But then I got sick and tired of sewing. And so I was like, I need another hobby. And uh, so I was like, mm, I see a lot of people doing abstract painting. And so I went to Michael's or not went to I ordered paint from Michael's um, and um, 
I think I have a video on my YouTube channel of one of the first times that I started painting. And I, it was literally just pouring paint on the canvas and my kids were helping me. Um, and I had the canvas sitting on top of a five gallon bucket from Lowe's. Um, and it made me feel better um, because at the time, you know, everything was shut down, couldn't go to the doctor, couldn't do any of that. And um, I wasn't able, I was getting anxious. I wasn't able to meet with my therapist and my psychiatrist and my doctor and painting and just being, I don't like to eat free, um, was very helpful for my mental health. Um, and it helped me, you know, interact with the kids and, you know, be super engaging and all of that. Um, and then the painting just got better. I started practicing instead of just being free with it. Um, and that kind of ran into resin and all of that. And by the time we, uh, everything started opening back up, I went to markets, um, because I'm a business person, started doing market research and writing things down. And, um, I found an actual like niche for this stuff. Um, and yeah, ever since then I've been doing, uh, I switched, you know, everybody, people knew me in the community for skincare and people still contact me. Like, do you have body butter? Um, like literally they're like, do you have body butter? Like I need body butter. I like, I need to refill my order. And I'm like, I'm sorry, but I don't do it anymore. And they're just like, are you sure? Cause like, and I'm just like, all right, fine. Tell me what you want and I'll make it for you and I'll deliver it. Um, so like, I have skincare. Yeah. Like, um, the, the one fragrance everybody still gets is get butt naked. Um, don't ask it's fruity. Um, so, uh, but yeah, I, that's how I got into art. The name gets some get butt naked. That's it right there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They're all like, is, is that, is that the one that I, I got last time? Get butt naked. Yes. That's the pink one. I'll make, I'll make some more. I'll make it just for you. Stop coming over here and scratching in front of me. It's great. Pretty much. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> So you, did you develop the website during the pandemic or after? Um, I Facebook actually, um, that I converted my skincare website into my art website. Ah, so, and everybody asked me like, so did you get a developer? And I'm like, no, I'm hardheaded, hardheaded. <laughs> I figured it all out myself and <laughs> I made my website. Um, but yeah, I just tweaked it and converted it into um, my art site. So. And that's part of that Jersey upbringing and hard headedness. I think it comes with being born in Jersey and raised in Jersey. You get the hard headedness and you have to do things your own way until you realize that you might need help at some point. Yeah. But you try to hold off as long as you can. Yes. Never you raise know? that hand for help. No, I'm good. Yeah. I'm not tapping out yet. No, no. <laughs> my leg's hanging off, but I got this. I'm good. Don't worry. Yeah. Yeah. I just so. painted my kid by accident. I'm all right. <laughs> <laughs> They'll be okay. Yeah, they're fine. Walk it off. I have two of them. It's okay. <laughs> Look, my um, I I work with the uh, innovation center at Norfolk State University, and we had a meeting, uh, in person meeting, a brunch a couple weeks ago, and uh, the director of the center asked me. She said, "So, how are your kids?" I said, "They're still alive." <laughs> but military humor. Um, I I saw I watched one of your videos uh, earlier today. And uh, I know you had mentioned that, um, or one of your guests had mentioned that we in the military have a specific sense of humor uh, that not everybody gets. And so my team did not get it. And so I had to laugh real quickly so that they wouldn't think that I was like crazy. 
you definitely have to ease them into it or or at least give them give them cards like show cards here just laugh <laughs> on, laugh yeah pretty much <laughs> i don't beat my kids to death i'm good <laughs> i'm joking jk jk <laughs> i'm hansel and gretel in the oven i'm good i'm good <laughs> yeah pretty much you can tell the difference when i when i talk to a veteran like yourself or any other veteran on here you can tell the humor is different and then when I have a corporate or anyone on here, it's like a more of that straight, straight, narrow mm-hmm. thing. It's harder to get any responses out. So it's much more enjoyable this way. Yeah. You like make a joke and some people it's crickets and then it gets very awkward. Um, and you're like, hmm, maybe that, maybe I shouldn't have said that. <laughs> That's why I enjoy my day job. I work in an office full of veterans. So it's, uh, it's exciting every day. You never know what you're walking into. It's just like still being in the service and, a bunch of old retired guys still talking smack to each other every day. And it's just great. See, I'm so glad um, at the center I have, um, I do have another veteran. Um, and so her and I connect very well um, at work and outside of work because we get it. Like, you know, um, I think she was an LS and if she was not, and she sees this, don't hurt me, don't kill me. Um, but I think I think she was an LS, and um, and uh, you know she got out just recently. And you know her and I, like I said, we just we go at it, we joke, and we understand each other. And um, it would be a little difficult to be that free with our humor um, with anybody else that you know any civilian because they just don't really get it. But that's okay. Like you said, sometimes you have to ease people into it um, or feel them out. And sometimes they're just not for that humor. And other times they're like, okay, I get it. I can roll with it now. So sometimes it's like a weird sitcom and uh, you're the only one laughing inside and outside. And they're just looking at you like you're nuts. So (laughs) you just got to deal with it at that point. And you think you feel like you're in your own TV box and they're looking at you like you're the insane one. (laughs) Yeah, pretty much. And then that's when it's time to say, Okay, so you know, as I was saying before, <laughs> yeah. back to the reality here. Yeah. So Watch back to this. what you were saying. Yeah. Elaborate on that. I really liked your ideas. Let's do what you're saying. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Yeah. So, so what's your favorite thing to make? Uh, you see you have the coasters, you have the paintings, uh, you have the whole show art market you go to. So what's your favorite thing you do? Um well, I will tell you what I hate doing. I hate doing the coasters, actually. Uh, and that's because I'm impatient. I love the way they turn out, but I absolutely hate the process. Um, let's see. My favorite thing is painting, throwing literally. Um, actually, you know what? I lied. Um, painting used to be my fav- favorite. Um, now my favorite is um, my digital artwork. Um, and that's because... I use uh, AI art. I fuse it with acrylic painting. I fuse it with um, crushed glass and fabric and fake hair. And um, I make this whole like modge podge of a thing um, that turns out to be amazing. Um, and I haven't shown anybody yet because I have an exhibition coming up. I haven't seen in May. <laughs> yep. Nope. That's nope. You won't see it until May. Um, but, um, I absolutely love working with that because it brings so many different things together. Um, you creating my artificial intelligence artwork, I'm able to kind of pull lines from poetry because, you know, why not do poetry? Um, I, uh, pull lines from my poetry 
enter those as prompts into the software, it gives me these images and then I get really detailed. Um, and then things start, you know, ideas start flying off. Oh, I can sew this fabric on it. I can braid this hair on it. Um, so I, I love how I'm able to make all these different things intersect. Um, but yeah, it's either that or if I'm really, if I don't have anything else to do, just taking some acrylic paint, putting on it on a canvas and taking a blow dryer and blowing it out. So that's my, that's my other thing that I like to do. It's kind of your release too. So it's good. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, pretty much. You start feeling yourself uh, going into the waves of um, the waves of things going on. We go throw some paint on this thing or, or on anything and blow dry. <laughs> pretty much. Yeah. I've, I've gotten into this. I don't want to call it a ritual cause I don't do it a whole lot. Um, but when I need to, I go in my shop, I close my door. We converted uh, our garage to my art studio and literally the walls and the ceiling are turquoise. Oh. And I go in there and I blast my music. Um, like literally you can hear the music like at the next door. And um, I just start doing things. I just start, I like the fact that it's not structured. Um, and however it turns out, I force myself to accept this. Um, I don't change anything. I make myself accept however the piece comes out. Um, and that has been extremely hard, um, but it's an exercise in acceptance, I guess. Um, so it's part of the process. Definitely. And that I do, I do the same thing with this. A lot of people with podcasts, they'll, they'll spend hours editing. I believe if I record me and you record right here when we're live right now as well, this is how it should mm -hmm. be. I shouldn't go back in and, and airbrush me and you in there and make us look all different and make us sound like we we're amazing the whole time. Cause that's right. not life. That's not reality. This isn't a Hollywood show. This is a podcast. And I right. think we should be real as real as possible as we're on here. Yeah, no, I agree. Um, because I can get, and I've learned this with painting also, I can mess things up if I keep going in there and tweaking things and tweaking things. Um, and so, yeah, and that's, I do video editing. I do do all of that stuff and it's the same thing. You know, I can, I can spend an enormous amount of time trying to change things to make it perfect. Um, and so I'm glad that I've gotten into painting and gotten into visual artwork um, because like I said, I, I force myself to just stop and leave it. Um, and however it turns out, whether I like it or not, if I don't like it, somebody else is going to like it. That's a guarantee. Um, because art is, um, subjective. And so it, I just, I just forced myself to leave it. Outstanding. And, uh, for the other about face radio DJs out there, this is someone you need to have on your show as well. Plenty of DJs on there that are veterans as well, that, that should grab you up and have you on their slots, uh, during the day or, or night, whenever their shows are. And of course I'll send them your information. So that'd, that'd be good Thank for you, you as well to keep getting your voice out there. Keep getting your reps on podcasts, at least friendly podcasts first, and then go out to the, the enemy ones. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So with that being said, what's a great way for people to get in contact with you? Um, a good way to get in contact with me, honestly, is either texting me or uh, messaging me on Instagram. On Instagram. Um, okay. mm -hmm, yep. I'm, I am on Instagram. I mean, I'm on Facebook literally every day with my family. So that's probably the other way. Um, so social media, let's just put it social media or texting me. That's 
those, those I are think the all your links to your socials are on your website. Yeah. They're all on there. Yeah. So, and the, the website's going across the bottom of the screen now. So Tiffany, if you can give a tip to tips to, to someone that wants to start a business right now and is stuck in their own way, what tips would you give them? Stop it. <laughs> it's irritating. It literally, because I, again, I'm a coach and consultant. Um, and it's irritating when I hear people say, I want to start a business. And then five years later, I still want to start my business, but they haven't started their business. Just do it. Just start the business. Um, your business is not going to be perfect. Actually, and this sounds very mean, um, unless you are a cousin of Jesus, your business is going to be trash <laughs> first, unless you, unless you are in a position where you have a team of people, you've grown up in business. You know what I mean? Things, um, I actually told this business owner, this gave them this analogy, just like when you were in middle school and you were in the sixth grade and you had to sit in front of the bus, you couldn't sit in the back of the bus because the eighth graders are back there. That's how your business is going to be. You're going to be that sixth grader that sits in the front of the bus. Eventually you will get to the back of the bus. So my main tip, just do it. Start, create a plan, even if it's on a napkin or in your planner on tissue in the bathroom, just jot down some stuff and then jump into it. Um, and, and you'll learn, you'll learn how you want to do business. You'll learn the types of people you want to work with. Um, you'll learn. Definitely. And if you do use the tissue in the bathroom, make sure you don't use that tissue in the bathroom after you write on it. Cause then exactly. it'll, it'll be a waste of time at that point. Don't <laughs> use it. Don't get it wet. <laughs> It'll have its dual purpose at that point, but it, it's over at that point too. Pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> so, Tiffany, thanks for, thanks for uh, jumping in last week on the lineable and uh, getting us linked together and also agreeing to come on and come on live here. And uh, I look forward to seeing great things from you in the future. Thank you. Thank you for having me on. No problem. It was awesome. Thanks for checking us out and being a part of the Misfit Nation. Don't forget to visit our website at themisfitnation.com. It's themisfitnation.com to catch up on all of our episodes and also to get some of that great Misfit Nation gear. As always, be humble, stay hungry, and keep hustling because we are 